Uh, tonight you'll need a Bible open in front of you, so if you uh, have one, please open it up to Paul's letter to the Romans, and we're in chapter 7 this evening. It's on page 1133 of these Burgundy Church Bibles. And with that, let me read from verse 1. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives? For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man whilst her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. John Bunyan's Christian classic, The Pilgrim's Progress, begins with this vision of a man in a field. He says, I dreamt, and behold, I saw a man clothed with rags standing in a certain place, a book in his hand and a great burden on his back. I looked and saw him open the book and read, and as he read, he wept and trembled. And not being able longer to contain, he broke out with a lamentable cry, saying, what shall I do? Over the next page or two, we read that he is weeping and trembling, because the book in his hand, the Bible, shows him that he is condemned to die and to face judgment. The scene is a picture of knowing the law of God aside from the gospel of God. The man has seen God's holy commandments, but he knows that he hasn't kept them. And the consequences of that fill him with terror. I wonder how many of us have felt the same at times. Reading through the commandments of scripture, does our failure fill us with despair? Does it cause our soul at times to tremble. Tonight's verses bring good news to trembling souls, but also a helpful corrective to those that have grown complacent, so that as God desires, we all might be equipped for every good work. So far in Romans, Paul, like a master mechanic, has lifted up the bonnet to show us the engine that drives salvation. Romans 1, 2, 3, we have the predicaments of humanity. We have sinned, falling short of the glory of God, leaving us all separated from him and deserving of his judgment. But from the end of that chapter, chapter 3, through to chapter 5, Paul lifts out the engine to show us something remarkable. The gospel of justification by faith in Christ alone. We find that our right standing with God is based not on anything that we've done, but rather on Christ's life, death, and resurrection, the blessings of which we receive 
by being united to him through faith. In chapters 6 and 7, though, where we come this evening, Paul is dealing with some of the questions that naturally arise from this wonderful gospel. And in Romans 7, 1 to 6, under our microscope tonight, Paul explains something that he's just said in 6 verse 14. He writes, Sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. The question that leaves is, well, how are we freed from the law? And what are the implications? And the answer we find in Romans 7 verse 6 is that we have been freed from the law by dying with Christ. And the implication of this freedom is that we serve God in the new way of the Spirit. So first, we are freed from the law by dying with Christ. In the first verse of chapter 7, Paul lays out this principle that the law has authority over someone only as long as they live. In other words, it is binding to you as long as you're alive. And so you can be free from it through death. He illustrates that then in verses 2 and 3 through marriage. In the covenant of marriage, if one member dies, then the other is released from that marriage. Paul is saying that just as death breaks the bond between a man and a wife, it also breaks the bond between the human being and God's law. Paul says that the only way to be free from the hold of God's law over us is to die. And brothers and sisters, the wonderful news is that if you're a Christian, you have. As verse 4 tells us, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. Meaning that it has lost its hold on us. You see, if we had not died to the law through the body of Christ, we ought to be like that man from the beginning, alone in a field, weeping at our sin. But now, because believers are united to Jesus Christ, who did die already, we're gathered here tonight as Christ's bride, singing of the depth of the Father's love for us instead. The problem so many of us face is that in our Christian lives, we forget these truths so often, don't we? Paul does go on to talk about the enduring use of the law in highlighting our sin to us, but the danger we face is that as long as it serves that function, highlighting our sin to us, we can fall so easily back into thinking we're still under its bondage. Let us be reminded tonight that through our union with Christ, we are dead to the law's hold. Our inability to keep it doesn't matter so much. Christians have been freed from the law by dying with Christ. The danger we need to guard against now, of course, is rejecting the law completely. This is point two. Freedom from the law means that we serve God in the new way of the Spirit. Paul has already made it clear in chapter 6, verse 15, that freedom from the law is not freedom to sin. In fact, that's the exact question that he expects and counters it with a firm and resolute by no means. Now he explores in chapter 7 why this freedom produces service and not sin. Look carefully with me at what he says in verse 6. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law 
so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. You see, the reason why freedom from the law produces service rather than sinners is that God graciously pours his spirit into the heart of his people, making us those that want to serve Christ. Not because God's law is still our master, and we have to, but we are God's children, and we desire to. That's where this whole teaching section climaxes up to in Romans 8. Paul writes that the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. You see, this is service that flows from a new desire from within, a response to knowing God's lavish grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, and so we live in accordance with the Spirit. This is the corrective For those of us who have been complacent lately, we have not been set free to live unrestrained lives, but to serve God. For freedom from the law means that we serve God in the new way of the Spirit. Now for a brief moment, let's just consider how these verses ought to shape our prayers this evening. First, let us pray for our memory. Many of us will feel so often like the trembling man in that field, separating God's law from God's grace. Day by day, we feel the weight of condemnation for our sin, and it paralyzes us in our relationship with Christ. Let's pray for both ourselves and also for others in our church family, that we would remember that we are free from the law because we've died to it with Christ. And pray that through that he would appear all the more glorious and wonderful to us. Second, let us pray for our holiness. Having been set free from the law in Christ, we can now serve him through the Spirit. Let's pray that we, as a church, family, and as individuals again, would be committed to serving our Savior and our King, Jesus Christ, in this way. Amen.